0: The scripture reading for today is acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47 and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Speak to God. As Pastor David mentioned during our singing time, and as Anne just prayed, uh, we are beginning a new sermon series on church and we entitle this sermon series, Devoted, and it comes straight from the verse that we just read. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 begins by saying, they all, referring to the Christians, they all devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, referring to communion, which we did a couple weeks ago as a church family, and prayer. And if you read on, it's a a beautiful picture of what a church is and what a church is supposed to be. And many churches throughout the history have gone astray, and uh, no exception in our day and age. But when you look at this picture in Acts 2, and many churches, um, church planters, church leaders go back to this passage to learn, to envision, to have a picture of what a church is and is supposed to be. It is marked by at least three things. There is uh, a deep reverence, worship of God, and there's deep love for one another, and there is this wide, spread of favor uh, amongst people outside of church so you look at verse 43 it says all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles awesome church it was awesome not because people were awesome but because god they were worshiping was awesome and his presence was palpable it was real there was deep joy and deep reverence fear of God reverence of God not just preaching the word or doing a lot of good works but there were wonders you 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 gather as a church family and you experience God you encounter God And then there was this deep love for one another that is palpable and tangible, that is very practical. And you hear how all who believed were together and all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received food with glad and generous hearts they could not get enough of each other. Yeah. They were meeting daily, whether in large group or in small group. And I'm thinking about my campus ministry days, when literally on campus, like we're meeting in the morning for quiet time, go for lunch together, hang out in the library, and then say bye in the evening. The next day we gather again. And it's doing life together, and they loved one another and cared for one another deeply. Women and children were recognized and esteemed, and back in those days, uh, that was a scandalous thing, Um, and church esteemed women had women to lead and serve in ways that they could not imagine before. Children were well valued. If you look at the context of Acts 2, it's, it's actually multi-ethnic group of people. People from all over the world in Acts 2 gather on the day of Pentecost and experience the Holy Spirit. You're talking about the blacks and the whites and the yellows and the oranges and browns. All people of different colors, cultural backgrounds, loving one another. I mean church should be one place where racism is not an issue. At least it shouldn't be. Church should be a place where there's no ageism or sexism. All are welcomed in the name of Jesus and they're loving one another deeply. Not only that, church was marked with attractive power to the outsiders. It's interesting how you don't actually read about evangelism much, in this passage at least, even in the letters. Um, It says, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I mean, we can assume that they definitely did evangelize. Yeah, they would go out, share the good news, But it was their life together and their reverence for God, the presence of God was so real. Their love for one another was so real that there was this centripetal power attracting people to this church. Like You you pass by, you hear about this church, and you're curious, and you go visit, and you go like, whoa, what's going on here? This is... A society of people that I've never seen in my life. Church is new humanity. Peace with God and peace with one another. And God restores relationship with him and with one another, with the whole creation, through this church. The church is what theologians call sign, instrument, and foretaste of God's kingdom, where Jesus reigns. So, you, you come to church and you have a distaste of, whoa, this is what heaven is like. So, how are we doing as a church? Can we describe our church, not necessarily New Hope, but church in our day, to have favor with all people? Church at its best, as God called and designed, is beautiful. We we, we hear, like, church is the hope of the world because Jesus is the hope of the world, and church is the body of Christ. We are the extension and continuation of Jesus. It's amazing. Jesus is the head of the church. We are members of his body, working, living out our faith together, as though Jesus is continuing his ministry. I mean, that is book of the Acts that we see. That is the call of the church. But what we hear in the news, just to be frank, and we know there's physical sexual abuse of indigenous children in residential schools, and we cannot say, oh, that's Catholic. No, it's church. Sexual scandals and power abuse in church leadership. Can't Believe Mars Hill, The fall or the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast hit number one in Apple podcast series. Uh, Christians and non-Christians are interested in what's happening or what happened. Willow Creek and Not Too Far From Us, Meeting House, you hear that in the news. In a book called They Like Jesus, But Not the Church, the author describes interviewing a number of young people, non-Christians. And it's, interestingly, he discovers that people are not necessarily antagonistic against the church, I mean, against the faith, or against Jesus. They're actually open to Christianity, per se, or Christian faith, but they're suspicious about church. They see church, many people see church as an organized religion with political agenda and tends to be very judgmental, male-dominated, and homophobic. That, again, I'm, just, I'm not saying we are like that, but that, that's how church is painted. And when we hear that, we cannot just say, oh, it's not us, it's them out there. No, we need to really own that reality as a universal church or us being part of universal church and grieve and lament and repent because church is called to be salt and light, but it seems like church has lost its saltiness and the light is pretty dim. Church is supposed to be concerned about the world. Now the world is concerned about the church. This is not good. Something's deeply, deeply wrong. So, even as I'm preparing for the sermon series on church, there has been a lot of self reflection, even this week, a lot of repentance personally. Very grateful for our church. I love you, the church, God's church. But I also see how we have a lot to work on as a church as well. I was talking to uh, a pastor, a seasoned pastor in our city, and he mentioned how COVID has done a big damage to church, global church. Of course, much good has come about as well. I mean, even in our church, um, it, it took COVID, a pandemic, for us to pray together every day. So uh, a lot of good came out. Um, there was this intimate time within our own families and even church families in some ways but overall when it comes to missions and ministry and fellowship um, we had a lot of challenges a lot of pauses and we need to acknowledge the loss the damage that's done to the church and we feel it and we are in this process of now getting back standing up again refocusing our attention to Christ and the mission that He calls us to participate in. It is for us as a church to regroup and be reestablished. As a church, we need to do it personally because you are the church. As a member of this church, we need to do it corporately as the body of Christ. I was told that if NASA was even 0.05 degrees off in launching a rocket to the moon, they would miss the moon by thousands of miles. It's just 0.05 degrees off. But then by the time you land somewhere or try to land the space, you're just way, way off. I think it's a good analogy of how how our life can be and how our church can be. In the beginning, it's a little off. But then as time goes on, you're farther and farther away from the destiny. God established church with a clear purpose, clear design. And we want to make sure that we're not even .05% or degree off we want to make sure that we are aligned to God and his design today uh, as we start off the series I want to look at the root of the church the foundation we sang about it we even sang just now Jesus Christ being the foundation because we could jump right into okay they were all devoted to Apostles te- teaching we got to read our Bible fellowship okay we got to do something together love one another come on let's love one another meet more often breaking bread okay we're just we do the communion only once a month but let's let's do it like every every time we meet okay we gotta pray let's pray now we could we'll come to those topics but the picture of them devoting themselves to god's word and prayer and fellowship is a fruit And we can't imitate or copy the fruit. We have to go after the root. So today I want to focus on the root. Go back to the foundation. So today's sermon title is, Church is Devoted to Jesus Christ. That's what defines us. And being devoted to Christ means you have authentic, genuine faith in Jesus. You love Jesus. You cannot live without Jesus. Your life, my life, church's life and ministry revolves around Jesus. We do what pleases Jesus. And that's what church is. At its foundation, at its root. And when we do that, we would want to dig in God's word, pray together, and feel like we just cannot get enough of each other. Have you heard of the phrase silent exodus? Anybody silent exodus? Okay, well, okay, some of you have. Silent exodus is a term that is used to describe kids or high school graduates leaving church after high school. It happens globally, including our church. Statistics say there are only about a third of students who remain in their home church after high school. And so sociologists and scholars studied you know, why why does silent exodus happen? They quietly leave church. And there are a number of different reasons, like they're sick and tired of church, for whatever reason, because they experience church split, been hurt by um, what happened at church, influence of the culture, which is big, lack of discipleship. But one fundamental reason is that those who leave church are part of the Silent Exodus crowd only had borrowed faith. Not personal faith, not authentic faith, but borrowed faith. It's a faith that they thought they had, but it's borrowed from their parents. Their parents were prayer warriors, elders, deacons. They took the kids to church on Sundays, but they never had personal faith. I know our youth group pastors and teachers emphasize this a lot because we are aware of this situation. But borrowed faith, we know, it's not gonna last long. You go off to college, and you have an option of not going to church on Sundays, and you just stop going to church. And the fundamental reason is that you never had faith, your personal faith, it was a borrowed faith. Another reason for silent exodus is that kids have jaded faith. So dictionary definition of jaded, exhausted, tired, bored, lacking enthusiasm after having, had too much of something. And we ask, too much of what? Too much of praise? Too much of prayer? Too much of Bible study? Too much of fellowship? Too much of serving? It's too much of hypocrisy. The kids who go to church with their parents and their parents are like leaders at church. They, they even serve, and they're recognized. And then you come home, and then they talk bad about church, about church leadership. Their life from Monday, Monday, Monday to Saturday is different. You're confused. What is this? Double life. And because they're honest, they're like, I'm, I'm done with this religious stuff. They get jaded. They say, church people are hypocrites. They have cliques. I don't belong there. It's no different from high school cafeteria. Now, that's a real problem. I don't know about you. This morning, you're sitting here or watching online. Do you have authentic faith, or is your faith borrowed? I cherish my mom's prayers. Faith that was passed down from generation to generation is beautiful. But there need to come a point in your life when you need to own it and be intimate with Jesus personally. For jaded faith, people, group, I need to apologize as one Christian whose life is actually littered with hypocrisy of one sort or another. In fact, this, this week we're talking about this topic. I don't know how this came about, but talking about church and faith, not intentionally to use my children as sermon illustration or you know to use it in my sermon, but we're talking about this hypocrisy at church, and my daughter, maybe in her attempt to comfort me, said, There is no one who is not a hypocrite. Only Jesus is not a hypocrite. And that is so true. But that does not leave us Christians off the hook. We must repent. We must work on our integrity. In fact, in order for church to be reestablished and rebuilt, we don't just need more intensity. We need more integrity. Let me repeat that. Yes, Jesus will, Jesus will spit out lukewarm Christians or churches. He can't use Christians whose hearts are not wholly devoted to him. Either be cold to refresh Jesus' heart or be hot with passion of Jesus to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to love people sacrificially. If you're lukewarm, it's no use. Intensity does matter, but you know what? I think sometimes intensity has done more damage than good if it's not done well. We need integrity. Intensity without integrity is more damaging. I'm speaking to myself, preaching to myself. Church is to be a place where God who is invisible is made visible to people in the way we love one another and serve one another. So what makes faith to be authentic? What does it mean to be devoted to Christ? Well, from passage that comes before today's passage, because we're going after the root, not the fruit, we see at least three things. Genuine faith is marked by three things, repentance, baptism into Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at verse 37 to 38. So all those who were devoted to apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer were doing that devotion because they had authentic faith, deep devotion to Jesus, and deep devotion to Jesus is marked by three things. It says, verse 37, and when they heard this, when they heard the gospel message, that Jesus died for you and because of you. They were convicted, it says, they were stabbed to the heart. They were cut to the heart. The word, the gospel message, penetrated deep into their hearts, and they said to Peter and to the rest of the disciples, brothers, what shall we do? If you've never experienced this kind of conviction in your life as a Christian. Oh my goodness, what have I done? I killed Jesus? He died because of my sins? We haven't even begun in our spiritual walk yet. And so Peter says this, okay, if you have come to that recognition, repent, be baptized, every one of you. It doesn't say baptism as a group. Every single person, it's very personal. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then there's a promise. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So first, repentance. Repentance, by definition, is to change our heart, our mind, our lifestyle. It's not simply saying, I'm sorry. One who was stealing is to steal no longer. One who was committing adultery is to stop committing adultery. One who was lying is to stop lying. One who thought Jesus is just whatever, come to recognize and change his or her mind saying, oh, Jesus is God. Now, that's a change of mind, change of attitude, change of lifestyle. That's why devotion is preceded, or devotion to Christ is preceded by devotion to destruction. That's an Old Testament concept for those of you who've been reading, following the church's reading plan. That term, devote, these idols to destruction. That's what the Lord commands. Unless we get rid of the idols in our hearts, we try to put in squeeze in Jesus somewhere, but then he ends up being in the periphery. And you kinda take Jesus out whenever you need, but then put, it, put him back in, because at the center of your life is you, what you want, what you desire, what you plan to do, what you prefer, Repentance is, okay, put that centerpiece, which mostly is you, to the periphery, and put Jesus at the center. Devote to destruction that centerpiece that you had in your life, and then build an altar worship to the Lord. Church that repents, Church that repents will be filled with new life and new hope. Church that does not repent will grow stale, lukewarm, no passion, compromise, no power, no love. Second, baptized into Jesus. That signifies new life in Jesus. It's not, baptism is not just ritual that we go through when you turn certain age. In our church denomination, it's when you turn 15. If not, then you get infant baptized. You don't get baptized because your parents tell you or your friends are getting baptized and you might as well do. No, it's based on a personal confession of faith that Jesus is your Lord, not just Savior, but Lord. He doesn't just forgive of your sins. Yes, he does. He saves us. Praise God. But it says, know first certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Lord and Christ. You are submitting your life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Baptism is dramatizing your faith in Jesus. I was, I was invited to actually do baptism yesterday um, up north, about an hour and a half drive uh, at this Baptist camp. Um, I thought we were going to do baptism in the lake, but they had a big tub ready. There were 20 people who got baptized, adults, in the Russian ministry. So I had my, you know, swimming pants ready, went. Pastor Eugene of Russia Ministry and I, we went into the water, and after hearing two people sharing his and her testimony, they affirmed their confession of faith in Jesus and their commitment to the church, and then this is what he did. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and we just dunk them, right? You die to your old self. You're done with your old self. And you are raised with newness of life with Jesus. I mean, Presbyterians, we are, uh, we sprinkle, you know, we, sorry. I I was thinking, you know what, next baptism for New Hope, I'm going to book that place. I'm going to talk to the session, get a permission from our elders, and we're going to dunk you if you haven't been baptized. You know, it, there were a lot of tears. A lot, it was it was very spiritually profound experience. A lot of them were very emotional. There was one girl from Turkey, and she was the first believer in her family. I was told that she doesn't even speak Russian, but I don't know how she ended up going to that community. They, she just, again, she was attracted to the way they lived their life together and came to faith. There were actually some old faces, because I go preach for Russian ministry regularly and I was surprised, like, oh my goodness, I thought you were a deacon. <laughs> Maybe he was a deacon, I don't know, but uh, he I, I've seen it for years, but there was this man, a big guy, with his big son, being dunked into the water together. They're old couple in their sixties, being baptized. That's beautiful. And then we did communion together, held hands together, pray and bless one another because we're a church family. Romans six three four 4 says, Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. It's wrong to get baptized if you don't have faith. It's also wrong to not get baptized if you have faith. Seriously, if you have not been baptized, even though you have faith in Jesus, it's like trying to just cohabit without getting married, without having a wedding service. You must be baptized, not because baptism saves you, Jesus saves, your faith in Jesus saves, but it's a public event witnessed by church family celebrating with you that your salvation is sealed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you and I, we are wedded together in Jesus. We are committed, covenanted together in this family. We died with Jesus together, and we are risen with Jesus together. This is what church is. You kind of sneak into a church and sneak out of church, not even go through baptism, not even membership, and you expect church life to be healthy? No. That's a joke. Without commitment, try to build your marriage or family. Baptism seals that commitment, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So if you're not baptized yet, I'll let's get dumped. Arrange time. Seriously, church that is filled with unbaptized people will not make the church healthy. But people who are filled, or church that is filled with baptized, Jesus loving, devoted died with Jesus, raised to life with Jesus. If church is filled with people who are full of life with Jesus and in Jesus, we'll be a vibrant church. The worship will be vibrant because you love Jesus so much. So you just wait for the Sunday morning when you cannot wait to sing praises to Jesus together with other Jesus lovers. But if that's not the case, then Sunday is no vibrant. It's not really life-giving. And then lastly, it's a promise that you'll be filled with the Spirit. Church is Spirit-filled people. Christians are Spirit people. And we are filled with the Spirit with a purpose to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. A church filled with the Spirit will be marked with righteousness, joy, and peace, yes. what will be on a mission for Jesus. I was going to talk about missions, but already my time is almost up, so I'm going to just focus on devotion to Jesus. Let me just say my final word. Many of you say, well, you know what? My faith is not borrowed. My faith is not jaded. I have an authentic faith. Praise God. Let me ask you this and this is i had to ask this to myself so i'm asking you are you devoted to jesus before we talk about church prayer word fellowship are you devoted to jesus today not 20 years ago when you got baptized? When you were in college? Or last year? Are you devoted to Jesus? My Christian journey has been such that it's looking back, it's easy to get sidetracked. You know, as a pastor, I get sidetracked with by many things especially by ministry <laughs> that's ironic i can be devoted to serving without necessarily being devoted to jesus who is the source the power of everything that we do whether at church or not i think a lot of people are devoted to their family Working on their marriage. Raising your children well. Devoted to parenting. Nothing wrong with that. We do want to work on our marriage. I do. And parenting. Some of us are devoted to your school or career, work. Making more, doing more. Some of you are devoted to health. It's, it's all about not getting COVID or not getting sick. It's all about getting a better look. You devote yourself to look better. Again, I'm not against all those things. Some of us are devoted to entertainment. Your time is spent too much on your phones. You know, like, I, I think it's, a, it's an endemic, addiction to our phones. We rise with our phones and we go to sleep with our phones. And in between, we go to washroom with our phones. We check our phones every time. We're so devoted to socializing, devoted to sports, golf, family trips, games. I mean, just look at your life, how you begin your day, how you end your day, and what happens in between and how much time you spend. Some of us are devoted to getting approval from people. You want to be liked by people. And there's all these longings and needs, but you know what? Some of those things are not a bad thing. They're good things. But if it takes a place of our central devotion, it does become an idol. And then we start using Jesus to fulfill that need. And you look spiritual, very Christianese, even very religious, but there's no power. You know why? Because you're just using Jesus. Jesus. And I could totally do that even as a pastor. I need to be careful. We must make sure that our hearts are aligned to Jesus. A church cannot be devoted to a pastor or a leader or a program or even a ministry. It needs to be devoted to Jesus. So how are you doing personally? Are you devoted to Jesus? How are we doing as a church? Are we devoted to Jesus? Do we really look like Jesus together? I think I see glimpses of that and praise God, but I also see a lot of gaps of what we say and what we do individually and as a church. So may we, as a church family, go through a season of deep repentance. I started my, my season. But also, this dying with Jesus and rising with Jesus, we see in Paul's confession in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, this life that I live. I live in the faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. You. And he says, I die to myself every day to live with Christ every day. It's not something you do once. You keep getting dunked in the name of Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit, my goodness, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, this church, you and I, will be beautified. It will be beautiful to God above and those around us. God be glorified will be edified and people will be attracted to want to know this Jesus. Let's pray. So this time I want to invite us to spend a couple of minutes, I do want to give some space. If the Spirit used any of words that was spoken this morning to comfort you receive that receive the comfort of the spirit god wants to encourage you this morning i know my daughter i know my son i know you're devoted to me i see that but do you know as much as no more than our devotion to Jesus, Jesus is devoted to you to the point of death on the cross. And he says, my son, my daughter, don't worry. I'll be with you to the end of the age. We'll go through this together. So may God give you encouragement for those who need encouragement this morning because you're already living out this faith. Though you may feel weak, that's why God wants to comfort you and encourage you through today's word. Some of us need to repent and many of us may need to start there because somehow along the way, we kind of lost sight of Jesus. We got so busy, got really distracted And Jesus invites us back to him. Come back to me, my child. We'll do this together. And so let's uh, spend some time praying to him before we sing this response song. you that you are faithful and you are good. You are our good Lord. There's no one else under whom we want to submit to and give our life to. And we thank you that this church is built on you, our devotion to you. So this song is our personal confession, but also our church's confession to you, Jesus, as you search deep within us, as you look into our hearts, we come back to heart of worship, and we worship you. We're sorry that we have not made you to be at the center of our lives in many ways. Things have gotten in the way. So this morning, we come turning our life towards you again. And we thank you that you are God, Savior, Lord, who forgives us your God who renews us and as we commit to devote ourselves to you Jesus will you help us and we thank you that you will help us for that's your desire you are so devoted to us and so we devote ourselves to you and we pray for our church God we pray that as you promised as we repent and believe and be baptized in the name of Jesus as you promised, will you fill us with your Spirit? Fill us personally, fill our families, protect us from the evil one, for the spiritual warfare is real. Help us to love you and love one another. Help us to forgive one another. Help us to be on a mission together. Refresh us and realign us, oh God. Renew us by the power of your Spirit. Father, help us to walk with you daily. And if it means committing ourselves to wake up a little early, to open the Bible instead of turning our phone first, maybe practice that. Maybe devote to pray together, be in the Word together, to encourage one another that this church for which Christ, you shed your blood to purchase us with your precious blood will be sanctified and shaped and strengthened and revived. Father, do it for the sake of your name and for the sake of nations who need to see the church to be beautiful because, Jesus, you are beautiful. In your name we pray. Amen.